Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. This is the Bears Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bears Wire editor, Alyssa Barbieri. Welcome into the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, so please look us up, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and let Alyssa know how much you love her on Twitter. She loves interacting with the fans, right, Alyssa? You do. You, you're, oh, you're, you're all You're all for it. Um, it is good to be back after a couple weeks away. My wife and I, we welcomed our son into the world. Everyone's healthy. Yay. Everyone's happy. Life is good in my little bubble. But how are you doing? I've missed you the last couple weeks. Have I Have I missed anything with the Bears? I mean, you could kind of rewind a couple <laughs> weeks back to week three, and then like we're right there. I feel like this, the title <laughs> of this much. podcast will be similar to the one a couple weeks ago where we're like, Matt Nagy must go, right? So I feel like we're we're right back on that thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just felt like... It's like when you thought things couldn't get worse than the Browns game, somehow <laughs> yeah. this was worse. Even though when you look at it as a whole, like Fields getting sacked nine times against the Browns, this this loss just it was it was bad. This is the kind of loss that Matt Nagy couldn't afford if he hoped to salvage his job. Which I think at this point, I think it's clear that he's going to be gone. I mean, that's what a logical person would do. Granted, I don't know what the McCaskies are going to do. <laughs> But this just feels like a loss that really should put the nail in the coffin for the Matt Nagy era here in Chicago. Yeah, it was it was so bad. I think you used the word humiliating or something uh, on Bears. Oh, Wire. multiple times. Yeah, yeah, and that was <laughs> that was the right word. And the good thing about you know when you're when you're home with the baby and you're changing the diapers and you're doing the bottle feeding and you're getting peed on, which I keep getting peed on changing the diapers. It's been <laughs> it's been terrible, but you can do that while watching football, right? So I haven't missed any of the college football, any of the pro football. I've been watching. I was watching the Bears-Bucks game and just the start, right? You just knew the Bears were doomed from the start, right? They take the ball, they they win the toss, take the football, immediately go three and out, and then they give up the punt return, the 43-yard return. It's like, oh, here we go, right? Kendall Vildor commits the pass interference play. Leonard Fournette scores like a couple plays later. It's 7 nothing immediately, and you just kind of knew, didn't you, Alyssa, at that point? It's like, oh, no. Oh, no, here we go. You had that same feeling as when you were watching that Browns game, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think I thought it was over before kickoff. Like, I knew they had no chance. And normally, I kind of like to give them the benefit of the doubt, like I did for the Browns game. I'm like, okay, maybe if they do this, they had no chance in this game just because with everything happening with the COVID outbreak and like Robert Quinn being out and then Akeem Hicks re-aggravating his groin, you have all these key players out and it just, you're going against the defending Super Bowl champions. Tom Brady got humiliated by you last year with the with the four downs. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm like, oh, this is what? not going to be good. Uh, it was, and and then that first series, like you said, when I, I believe it was, I'm trying to think, I think it was Cole Komet who didn't catch that first down, uh, that third down pass, which would have made it first down and would have kept the drive going. Yeah. I think that's when I knew it was over. Cause I'm like, you can't afford to make those kind of mistakes. You need to keep Tom Brady off the field. You need to take advantage of some opportunities, especially because Khalil Herbert 
was able to have just an amazing game against the NFL's best rushing defense. Like he had a hundred, a hundred rushing yards on a team that was allowing 54 rushing yards. And, you know, he was kind of getting the offense going, but it was clear from the start, which it's been for the entire year for the last three years that the passing game just is not working. Yep. They can't throw. You're right. And, and nobody can run. No running back can run for a hundred yards against the Bucks. And the fact that Herbert did it is, uh, is a great accomplishment, but when you can't throw, in the modern-day NFL, you can't win, and I want to get into that. But once again, Alyssa, like you said, hit rewind or refresh the article, copy-paste, right? It's the same thing <laughs> over and over. The fans are once again calling for Nagy to be canned, and I don't blame them at all. Uh, it, this clearly isn't working. It's the same old story. Uh, I think he's he's kind of mismanaged everything, especially with the quarterbacks, and you got another guy getting ejected for throwing a punch. That keeps happening. I mean, he just... How much control over the locker room does he really have? The post-game pressers are just embarrassing uh, with him explaining things away. What did he say, Alyssa? It was like, we're going we're gonna to try to treat this as one loss and not four or something like that. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, but he keeps doing that in the post-game, right? Just like saying random things that it's just like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah, and I understand what he was trying to say, but just like when he's saying the same stuff oh, like yeah. over and over and you're coming off a 35-point loss and trying to make it seem like it was like a 10-point loss last week against the Packers, it's just not going to work. And there was something he also said when he was asked about the loss where he was like, but we grew closer as a team over the last 24, 48 hours. I'm like, first off with COVID, that's probably why you had that outbreak. Yeah. Uh, number two, <laughs> uh, there are no moral victories in the NFL. If not, your job is it, you're gone. Uh, so it just like when he was up there at the podium, he he felt he looked like he sounded like a man that was begging for his job. That he was just pleading with ownership to keep, to give him another chance, right? Because all we've heard is, oh, he's a great guy. He's he's bringing that type of winning culture that we want to the Bears. First off, winning culture requires winning football games, which is something he hasn't been able to do since 2018. When you look at like his record, it's so skewed because of the 2018 season when they won 12 games. You look strictly at the last three years where he's gone five, you know, eight and eight, eight and eight. And this year right now we're at, they're at a three and four, three and four. So, I mean, it's just more of the same consistently after the league kind of figured him out. It's just, it's just kind of been mediocre and for the McCaskies, mediocre, I guess, has been okay or good enough. But when you become a laughing stock and over a team like the Owen Seven Lions, when people are talking about how much of a fight they have and how much heart they have, right? And they're loving the coach, their new head coach. You know, and then you have a team like the Bears who are just getting humiliated. Aaron Rodgers calling them out. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about that one, Ryan. No, you know, yeah. Aaron I Rogers. own you. I own you. <laughs> I was laughing hysterically when I saw I that. I thought it was hilarious. You. Yeah, I thought when that was you hilarious. you hear that, and then you hear all the media just ripping into them because it's just humiliating. That's the word I keep coming back to. It's just so embarrassing. And there was, it just feels like there's no way that he's able to hang on to his job at this point. And then once he's gone, that means you have to send Ryan Pace with him because he's as much to blame as Nagy is. Yeah, and I, and I think those changes are coming. I don't think they're going to come during the season, as we've talked about, but it they probably will come when this season is uh, mercifully over, right? When, when we're finally... We got 10 more weeks. Yeah, when we're finally in the offseason and, uh, and this is done, I'm sure they're going to move on from the head coach and probably the GM. And they have to. They have to. Um, my take on Aaron Rodgers is that keep it in your pants, Aaron, will you? I mean, it's you're, you're play, the Bears are not... They've lost their way here. They're not really the, the greatest outfit in the world. You're going to whip it out and kind of do that whole dance in the end zone thing, yell at the crowd. I mean, 
Try winning the NFC Championship game. Try doing that. Run into the end zone for the winning score in the NFC Championship game and get back to the Super Bowl, Aaron, instead of talking crap to the Bears fans. I thought that was embarrassing by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but anywho, um, back, to, back to the point. Where, where did I want to go this segment, Alyssa? Here's where I wanted to go. Again, we're calling for Nagy to be canned. I'm totally all for that. If it happens during the season, great. If it happens after the season, okay. We, we can deal with that too. But here's where I wanted to. Here's what I wanted to throw your way. Just a, a developing opinion on my part here. I've had a lot of time to think as I'm like holding a baby and trying to figure that thing out. <laughs> we continue to make excuses for the players, right? We continue to say it's not Fields' fault; it's the coach's fault. Oh man, you can't blame Justin Fields for that game because Matt Nagy was calling the plays. Well, they've had different play callers, right? They've had different combinations on the offensive line. Um, you know, the, you've got guys in and out of the lineup as playmakers, right? At some point, I feel like, okay, yeah, even if the coaching sucks and they're not put in the greatest position to succeed, at some point, you got to make plays yourself too, right? So in seven games, Fields is performing as the worst quarterback in football, right? He's completing uh, 57.3% of his passes. So he's got the lowest quarterback rating, QBR, completion percentage, and average pass per game in football. He's dead last in all of those and he's got the second lowest average yards per completion only ahead of davis mills so he's really 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 struggling no matter who's calling the plays and all that right so i think and and again i look at Allen robinson two catches for 16 yards for Allen robinson where is Allen robinson like i don't care who's calling the plays laser naggy someone from the crowd like one of the parents want to come down and call the play like like back in high school football when i was covering (laughs) that you know who wants who wants to call the plays at some point, can't you just line up against the guy across from you and dominate him and, and win a down and, and make a play for your team and get, get your team going? Like, where's Allen Robinson? So at some point, I think we got to throw it back on the players a little bit. I just don't like making all the excuses for Fields and Robinson and all these guys that are struggling and continually saying it's the coach, it's the play calling, it's the O-line. I feel like we got to throw a little bit of it at the players too. No, I, I agree. You can't throw it all on the head coach. You know, when you look at Justin Fields, that was just a horrendous performance. I think I feel like the week three against the Browns, I mean, that was his first start. You know, he wasn't helped by the game plan, the offensive line, his his weapons, which again, this was kind of a, like a replica of the, the Bucks game. You know, he was responsible. He, you know, he held onto the ball too long. He's got to do a better job of protecting the football. I know a couple of those fumbles were on Latavius Simmons, who's their third string right tackle because Elijah Wilkinson is out with COVID because they're busy bonding. He was so bad. (laughs) He was so bad. Yeah. So some of those plays, Justin has no chance. A hundred percent. No chance. Yeah. But then he's responsible for some of them. And I remember after the game, Fields was asked about, I believe it was, I think it was the last interception to Allen Robinson uh, on a ball thrown Allen Robinson's way. And he was told by coaches that it was a free play. So he was like, okay, well, let me try to chuck it deep and make something, right, because it's, it's a free play. And that's the second week in a row that's happened, the other one being that, that no-call offsides where he threw it deep and it was intercepted. So, I mean, there ultimately, there's blame to go around. It's not just on Matt Nagy. It's also on Bill Lazor, who's – I think, like, people were so excited for Bill Lazor because – He's just not as bad as Matt Nagy. Like that's how low our standards are. He's not that, Nagy, like, someone, so we like him more. He's not Nagy. He's mediocre, which is which. When you have Matt Nagy, mediocre looks like great, right? So you're just looking for a change. But Bill Lazor's not getting it done either. I mean, it's just the players too. You look at the offensive line, like that group. You don't. They don't. The Bears don't have a lot of money dedicated to that group of, of offensive linemen, and that says a lot. You can't get away with that 
Justin Fields is the most sacked quarterback in the league, and he didn't play week one, aside from a couple plays, it's and he didn't play a whole half in week two. It's just ridiculous. He has, like, an average of 2.5 seconds to throw the ball. I mean, again, he is responsible. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. We all knew this. But at the same time, ultimately, it all comes back to Matt Nagy because this is his team. This is his offense, right? Because you look at some of the other offenses around the league and how they're able to scheme guys open. The, you know, Allen Robinson's not getting open. When you look at Fields standing back there in the pocket, no one's open. Like, what is he supposed to do? And then by the time he realizes that, he's either sacked or he's trying to escape and he's, you know, sacked anyways. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of blame to go around. I agree with you, though. It's not all Matt Nagy because the players have to be held accountable. Some of the other coaches, position coaches. But ultimately, it should come back to Matt Nagy because this is his offense that he said, oh, you're four. That's that's when everything's going to click together. Uh-huh. And it's just it's gotten progressively worse. And, you know, for people and I count myself as one of those people who want to see Matt Nagy gone after the year, this, you know, games like the Bucks game, that's what you need to see. That's what has to happen. Like, yes, we want to look forward to the end of the season where Nagy's gone. You can bring someone in to, de- to develop fields. But we have to sit through all of the bad stuff that's going to allow that to happen. And unfortunately, this was one of those games. Yeah, no, and, and again, I'm totally with you. I want to move on from Matt Nagy, too. So I'm not here advocating for Nagy at all. Um, I'm just saying there needs to be a little bit of the blame on the players, too. Like, at some point, can you just block someone? You know, can you just block someone? Or can you just win a route? Can, can somebody do something besides the running backs? My God. So uh, that's just been a little frustrating. Um, but anyway... The coach is, uh, he's been terrible, um, and there's a chance he won't be coaching against the 49ers. But it's not because he's fired, Alyssa. It's because of another reason. We'll get into that coming up next. This is the typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 8. Let's get right into it. Denver Broncos quarterback Teddy Bridgewater versus the Washington football team. The veteran quarterback gets Jerry Judy back in the lineup this week. Washington's tough to run against, but they're much weaker against tight ends and wideouts. With a capable pass-catching tight end in Noah Fant and three deep of legit wide receivers, Bridgewater should find a lot of success in the passing game. The position has averaged a league-high 31.2 fantasy points per game against this defense, and the next closest team, which is Kansas City, has given up only 28. One in every 9.7 completions is a touchdown, and Washington has picked off just one out of every 69 pass attempts. Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss versus the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo returns from its bye week to face one of the weakest defenses of the running back position. Moss is coming off his worst game of the year with 5.9 PPR points in week 6, so this matchup comes at the perfect time. Miami has allowed a ground score per game on average, and in the last five weeks this defense has improved some, giving up neutral stats across the board as its secondary has struggled to contain receivers, but with all of the attention paid to Buffalo's wideouts, Moss should be free to roam inside the red zone. On the other side of this matchup, Jalen Waddle wide receiver Miami Dolphins at Buffalo Bills. The Bills have the strongest defensive wide receivers in the last five weeks, and only one of 46 catches has crossed the stripe. In week two, these teams met for the first time this year, and Waddle, mind you, it was his second game ever, caught six passes for 48 yards. He has at least as many yards in five of seven games this year, and a hearty 21 targets in the last two contests alone. Buffalo will be content to allow Miami to throw a lot of short area passes in effort to keep them from going over the top, and PPR gamers shouldn't be afraid of the statistical matchup. 
That said, expect a result cap somewhere in the mid-teens for PPR points. Tight end CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals at New York Jets. There's definite risk in stumping for Uzama, even with a wonderful matchup, just because this offense has so many outlets for the football. The Jets have played really well versus wide receivers, which is Cincinnati's strength, but running backs and tight ends have chewed them up. In the past five weeks, New York has looked a lot more like gangrene than gangrene. Tight ends have averaged 18.8 PPR points on the eighth most catches and yards per game. Two of the 30 catches have scored. While it's always a risk that he could get lost in the mix with so many talented weapons around him. The matchup is super bright, and Uzama is a worthwhile play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Alyssa, another thing with the head coach. He's positive for COVID. So, uh... The virus is kind of sweeping through the team a little bit, right? Robert Quinn, Jimmy Graham, Elijah Wilkerson, Caleb Johnson, Damian Williams was just removed from that COVID list. So a little mini outbreak on the Bears. And I think a lot of these guys were vaccinated. I know the head coach was, but Nagy positive for COVID. So there's a chance he won't even be available this week. So could be an audition for life after the head coach, right? Maybe. That's something we could look forward to, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I I remember um, it's funny when his press conference and like people were like, Matt Nagy's not at Hellas Hall, and there's a, and like all of a sudden you see him in his car. <laughs> the helicopters like, over the. I'm like, oh my god, is this finally happening? Yeah. Like, oh my god, they're making him face the media from his car as they make him leave Hellas Hall. Like it was. <laughs> that would be good. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh wait, that obviously isn't it. And then he's like, oh yeah, it tested positive for COVID. And then I'm like, not really too surprised considering it's been going around the team. And yeah. Oh man, it's just, you can't make this stuff up. It just has not been a good few days for the Bears, just one after the other. I mean, I mean, it's just kind of sweeping through the team at this point. And oh man, I, like you said, though, it's a chance to kind of see what this team could look like. Uh, with Nagy not as the head coach, life beyond Matt Nagy, which I think most people are excited for, maybe even the McCaskies who won't admit it right now. But it was funny because I saw uh, someone had tweeted out about how the line started at uh, the 49ers uh, three and a half and how when Nagy was, when it said that he had tested positive for COVID and they might not be coaching on Sunday, that the line went to three. And I'm like, so he's worth, and Matt Nagy not coaching is worth half a point. And I'm like, you know what? It's improved. I mean, they improved. I mean, I guess Chris Tabor, you know, <laughs> could potentially be running things. I know that Maggie was saying he wants uh, Sean Desai and Bill Lazor to kind of focus on their thing and, you know, let Tabor run the meetings and run everything. But when you kind of look at what needs to happen, I mean, he is vaccinated. He would still need to uh, negative test within uh, 24 hours apart in order to be ready Sunday. But 
And you kind of look at some of the other players who they've missed games and they've been vaccinated. So, I mean, I'm excited for the possibility. I mean, I'm, I just obviously you don't want to see your head, you know, any whether it's Matt Nagy or, you know, whoever you like or don't like to have COVID like that's just horrible in itself. But then you kind of look at, OK, let's see what this team also will look like without him. And, you know, maybe the McCaskies are like, OK, well, so look, everything didn't collapse entirely when Nagy wasn't running the show. So maybe we can fire him midseason. I mean, I still don't think that's going to happen because they've never done that. This franchise has been in existence for over 100 years. So, I mean, there's hey, there's no time like the present, I guess, though. Well, he, <laughs> if they're gonna do it might as well do it now yeah well he is obsessed and he's a control freak and this game's at home so i do worry that he's gonna be somewhere in the stadium with a fake mustache um like <laughs> r- radioing in play calls to bill laser or something like that you know what i mean so i i still worry about something like that but no it just could be refreshing right it could be refreshing a new voice on the sideline during the game i don't know let's just see let's just see how that works out right so that'll be an interesting thing i mean as someone who's vaccinated and still got covid because I'm so lucky, Alyssa, that I, I found a way to get it too, uh, being oh, vaccinated. I had symptoms for like a full week. So um, there's a decent chance he misses this game. So I just think that's a little side topic uh, to this matchup coming up. But um, one thing that's coming up shortly after this week is the trade deadline, right? November 2nd. And uh, you have an article out on Bears Wire that's basically like sell, right? With a, with a couple exclamation points. It's like you have... Your, your list was up to seven or eight veterans, Alyssa, that you think that they could uh, move at the deadline and try to get some assets for. And I, I'm with you. Uh, I think at this point, I don't see how you don't sell off these pieces like Allen Robinson, who's on the franchise tag. And do you think he's coming back next year? Doesn't He's not playing good football at all. Uh, and he's not happy. The team's not really utilizing his talents. I can't imagine Allen Robinson being back. I keep on bringing up Nick Foles as your number three quarterback, and the Jets just... <laughs> The Jets gave up a six-round pick for Flacco. Joe Flacco. Are you kidding me? So uh, apparently there's teams out there dumb enough to give you actual compensation for a guy like Nick Foles or, or Andy Dalton. So, uh, you know, Akeem Hicks, another guy you wrote about, final year of his contract, his return in 2022 totally up in the air. So there's definitely a bunch of guys on this team that the Bears could sell. I don't think you're a legit contender or playoff team at any point this season. I'm with you. I think... They should sell, and I'm interested to see how many of these guys actually do get moved over the next week. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, like you said, this is not a playoff team. I mean, you kind of look at everything, especially there's like the salary cap for next year too, and how many you know openings, how many guys are not going to be under contract last year. It's kind of like a clean slate, aside from the dead money that they're going to have to pay for restructuring guys like Jimmy Graham and Robert Quinn. Um, or, or Nick Foles or, or Andy Dalton, like all of these, just like he keep pushing money to the future, all of that stuff. But, you know, this is, it feels like they're entering a rebuilding mode. When you, ha- you have Justin Fields, you're going to have to build around him. I don't see how Allen Robinson is back. At the beginning of the year, I thought maybe, hey, look, you know, you got a, a, young, a young new quarterback who's probably the most talented quarterback that he's going to play with. But then you have, when, when you watch Robinson and Fields out there, they have no chemistry whatsoever. Robinson's throwing that Nagy under the bus saying, well, that's because Justin and I didn't get to get any reps together in training camps or preseason. And fire. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it goes both ways, right? You, you you would have to want to bring Robinson back. It looked like he was going to be cheaper too. It's obviously, I think wherever he goes, he's going to be cheaper given that he's not having as much production this year, but yeah, I just think he's gone. So you might as well try to get something for him. 
right? Because at this point, I mean, a lot of you look at the receiving core as a whole in the passing game, it's just with Robinson, he's not even the leading receiver on the team. Akeem Hicks is a popular one that's been coming up. Maybe a team like the Chargers who's in need of defensive linemen. Maybe get get a get a like a fifth rounder for him or something. Kind of looking across the board. Danny Trevathan, you know, he's with Alec Ogletree kind of stepping in and getting that starting job. Granted, I don't know who's going to want an aging veteran like Trevathan, but there are some teams that are hurt at the linebacker position. So you could get a late round pick for him. Again, it's I think it's about kind of building draft capital, especially considering Ryan Pace has been known to trade draft capital and you kind of got to make that up now, especially when you look at what you're going to need to build on for next year. And that starts with the offensive line. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of different pieces. Any of the quarterbacks, I would say, well, no, except for Justin Fields, sorry. Uh, Nick, Nick Foles or Andy Dalton, I think either of those at this point, try to deal one or the other. This, you know, people are a little cautious about Nick Foles considering what he looked like last year. But I think most people are kind of seeing, uh, okay, that's Matt Nagy, right? Because, look, Mitch Trubisky looked bad with Matt Nagy. Nick Foles looked bad with Matt Nagy. Justin Fields is looking bad. Like there's a common denominator here. So maybe Foles isn't as bad as we thought. Dalton probably might be more of a, you know, he might be someone that would probably garner a little more interest just because he hasn't, he's looked decent when he was out there. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of pieces that they could sell. So Jimmy Graham, who for most of the season, he hasn't seen the field at all. And then now he's on the COVID list. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of pieces. I, I'm sell, 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 try to get, you know, get draft capital for the future and build around Justin Fields, hopefully when both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are gone, because <laughs> I think that's what it's looking like at this point. Yeah, I mean, what could you get for Andy Dalton, as you were saying? Like a first-round pick from the Jets? I mean, my God. So that was one. That, I mean, I, I couldn't have been more upset. Alyssa, you know I'm a Patriots fan. And Bill Belichick traded Stephon Gilmore to the Panthers for a six-rounder. In 2023, yeah. it wasn't even this this coming draft. It's in 2023. <laughs> Stephon Gilmore for a six-rounder. And the Jets trade a six for Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco. Uh, I just can't believe it. The Bears it. traded a six-round pick to Miami for Jakeem Grant. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so people are just giving away these six-round <laughs> like, picks. I'm like, you're telling me Stephon Gilmore is worth the same as Jakeem Grant and Joe Flacco? You got to be out of your mind. <laughs> Belichick, what are you doing to me, man? What are you doing to me? Oh, God. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, the trade deadline. And I feel like... The NFL trade deadline's kind of overrated, right? We always get excited about it, and then not a lot happens. Uh, but we'll see. The Bears are going to be an interesting team to watch because of all the things you just said. A lot of, a lot of interesting pieces that could probably help other teams. Maybe Allen Robinson silently hoping that he gets moved to another team and maybe he can start catching the football again because where have you been, Allen Robinson? He's like the number three receiver all of a sudden. Darnell Mooney's like your number one receiver in Chicago all of a sudden. What's going on with Allen Robinson? So yeah, so that's all that is uh, to be determined next week. Uh, but first, we have a game to play, Alyssa. The Bears at home against a 49ers team that has lost four straight, and Jimmy Garoppolo is playing like hot garbage, and the 49ers are decent favorites on the road, right? So let's get into that uh, right after our Typico Sports Betting Minute. This is the Typico Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slipping Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday Night Football matchup with the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Our friends at Typical Sportsbook have the Cowboys favored one and a half. Uh, the Vikings money line is plus 102. The Cowboys money line is minus 125. The over under is 45 and a half. 
I am on the Vikings plus the points. Actually, I'm just going to take the Vikings outright as a road dog. In the Zimmer era, they're 10-3 and against the spread as a home underdog. Also, Dallas is 6-0. ATS record is due for some regression. I'm skeptical Dallas' defense is this good, and I like a healthy Minnesota offense to keep pace with the Cowboys. Nate. How do you see the Cowboys-Vikings game playing out? I'm going opposite on you, Jeff. Minnesota has a bottom 10 rush defense. Dallas ranks top three in rush attempts per game. The Cowboys are 5-1 and one and have won four of their last five by six or more. Dak is a surging MVP candidate, and their offense has been on fire. Give me America's team by more than one point. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Alyssa, coming off this uh, this embarrassing game against the Bucks, where the Bears got absolutely shredded through the air in the first half, and then they couldn't stop the run as the Bucks just kind of ran out the clock, and the Bucks only needed three points in the second half uh, to finish out that. It was 35-3 to three at half. Oh, my God. I forgot about how bad it was at halftime. Um, the Bucks almost ran for 200 yards in the game, and that, that does worry me because uh, the 49ers, they like to run the football, right? They, they'll do that, and they'll feature the run, Eli Mitchell is a, is a rookie, but he's been playing some good football. He just ran for 100 yards against the Colts last week in a monsoon. Uh, did you see that game? Uh, in that, that rainstorm on Sunday night? That was kind of oh, wild. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of wild. So the 49ers, regardless of what crappy quarterback they have playing, whether it's Garoppolo <laughs> or Trey Lance or whoever it is, they're going to run the football. They're going to they're gonna be a threat to score. This is a tough one to predict, right? The Bears on Tipico as we speak, three-and-a-half-point home underdogs. I want to take the Bears. I want to talk myself into it. I just don't know if I trust them right now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel it's hard to trust the Bears at all. But, I mean, the one thing I guess you could say about this year is they've beaten teams that they should beat. I mean, the Bengals, you look at it was early on in the season, right? And, you know, Joe Burrow had probably his worst game. He threw those three consecutive interceptions. Uh, And then you look at the Lions. They won that game. It was a winnable game. The Raiders game, if they did everything right, they should have won that game, and they did. Uh, but they've kind of really lost to teams that they had no chance of actually beating, it felt like. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of like, I want to go, I think I want to go with the Bears, especially. It, it's it's ridiculous that there's, it's funny, they're three and a half home underdogs to a team that's lost four straight. And, yeah. the, like, the Bears have lost two straight to two playoff-bound teams, it looks like, so... I mean, I, I think I might go with the Bears. Like you said, you know, the 49ers are going to be running the football, so the Bears better pray, unless they trade him, that Akeem Hicks is in the lineup because, I mean, Eddie Goldman, he's kind of been in, in his year, you know, coming back after a year off, he's kind of been up and down. Bilal Nichols, I think, avoided a suspension after, you know, throwing a punch uh, at Ryan Jensen last week. 
you know, that run defense really needs to step up, you know, but on the, on the bright side, if, you know, they do give up some yardage, I got Elijah Mitchell as my fantasy running back. So, I mean, I wouldn't be too disappointed as long as they find a way to win the game. Oh my gosh. Uh, but this is a game that they should win. Uh, and I feel like they've done a good job of winning those games. And who knows if Matt Nagy can't play, maybe the team kind of rallies around that uh, to show that, yes, you know, especially because when they've been doubted this year, you know, they've really kind of risen to the challenge. I think you looked at after the Browns game, I know they were playing the lions. Uh, and then when they were playing the Raiders, no one's giving them a chance and they kind of, you know, rallied around each other. I mean, looking at this game, it, it feels like it's going to be a low scoring affair. So uh, what was the over under Ryan? Yeah, did you say 39 and a half. There's no way it's 39 and a half. No way. This is going to be like a nine, six final, maybe 12 first one to 10 wins. Like that's yeah. going to be this game. And if that's the score, I like the bears chances, right? Because that means it's a defensive kind of game and the defense is kind of yeah. carrying you. And when the defense has played well for the bears, they've been fine. And, and they've, they've won. They've won games when the defense has shown up. It's when the defense is struggling and the offense has to actually hold its weight. Uh, that's when they get into trouble, right? So uh, I'll be watching that defense. Can they stop the run? I do think you should start Eli Mitchell in your fantasy league, Alyssa. I think that would be a good start this week. But still, uh, can you hold your own against that 49ers run uh, and, and cover Debo Samuel? Because really, what else do they have besides Debo Samuel? They're not throwing it to Ayuk. Right, they're not throwing it to him. He like disappeared. He's like Allen Robinson, just disappeared in the thin <laughs> air this year. They only throw it to Debo Samuel, and they just run the football. So, can you stop the run and can you cover Debo Samuel? I got to think that you can trust the Bears' defense to do that at least, and just don't get behind the eight ball like you did against the Bucks right away, and be playing from behind because this is just not a team that can play from behind right now with the state of the offense. But I'm gonna back them at three and a half. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the Bears. I think if that number creeps under three, I'd be a little worried. But three and a half. I like the Bears. I, I think I'm I think I'm with you. And the under man, thirty nine and a half is a low number, but I I tend to agree, Alyssa. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you. I, I trust your judgment here. Uh low scoring game favors the Bears. They need a win. The 49ers are really struggling. I'm a huge Jimmy Garoppolo guy, or at least I was. He came up through the Patriots organization. I love Jimmy G, but oh man, he doesn't look like he can play anymore. And he's always hurt. It's like, oh my god, Jimmy, what what's wrong? Oh, your calf hurts. Oh, poor Jimmy. His calf hurts. So, I mean, yeah, give me the Bears, but I'm looking for the defense. I, that's the key, right? If the defense can just, like I said, stop the run and cover Debo Samuel, I like their chances. Yeah, and you kind of look at the games where the Bears have been able to win, and it's been complimentary football where their defense has dominated, their offense has done just enough. They haven't committed those big mistakes, and then you have Cairo Santos coming in here and you know booting some field goals. You know, when you look at the game, I feel like this would be a game where if they win the win the uh, the coin toss, they take the ball, they lecture seeds, they march down the field. If they can score a touchdown and get points on an opening drive and kind of set the tone like that, well, every time they've managed to do that, which has been in every home game this year, by the way, with the exception of the Packers game, they've won all of those games. Uh, so I think like they need to, like you said, they can't afford to get behind. Because they're running for they're running football team like the 49ers. They, 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 their passing attack just has not been there except for the Lions game, which that was just kind of like miraculous. Uh, like it, it felt like a fluke. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I think if they can kind of get a, get a lead and kind of maintain it, the offense do enough, run the ball with Khalil Herbert, who, you know, he's also on my fantasy team. I picked him up because nice. one of my guys got hurt. He looks so, good. like I'm just kind of rolling with running backs right I now. So it's yeah. like Herbert. I'm like, give the ball to Herbert, who may, who just he's just killing it on the ground, and his half fields kind of do what he needs to do. Don't ask him to do too much at this point, and they can't afford to lose three straight, especially with some of the games they have coming up. 
The next game would be Pittsburgh. Then they have a bye week. Then they play the Ravens and then down the line are the Cardinals. So it's just, they need a win. And this is a game. This is, this could probably be one of their last wins for a while. Uh, so they really need this win. And I think that if they do what they did against the Raiders and against the Lions and against the Bengals, which they've shown they're capable of doing, then I think that they'll win this game again, low scoring affair though. Chance for a perfect week, right? Win a game at home. Gets a struggling 49ers team with Matt Nagy at home, right? It's, it's like there you it's, go. It could be a perfect <laughs> a perfect weekend for Bears fans. They have to look at Matt Nagy all game on the sideline, and you win a game. And, and so yeah, so there it is. So all right, so we got we got a. I'm back. I returned from you know the the little baby vacation there, the two weeks off with the baby, and uh, I now I gotta I gotta go check on him, right? I gotta go. We gotta sign off here. I gotta go check on the baby, Alyssa. Go see if he needs a. Needs a diaper change. And, you know, as I was, I, was, I was saying to you, I mean, the diaper changing has been more than the sleep deprivation. It's been the diaper changing, which has been the, the, the toughest adjustment for me because I keep getting peed on and, and he keeps peeing across the room, like the steady stream that goes across the room every time the first <laughs> diaper comes off. And I haven't been able to, you know, I got towels and extra diapers and I'm coming at it from different angles and I just cannot figure out how to not get peed on uh, when I'm changing a diaper. So uh, I've, I feel like... It's it's like the same percentage as Justin Fields getting sacked on his dropbacks. I'm getting peed yeah. on by the baby. So it's you're, been, you're uh, just been rough. like Fields. You, yeah. You're going through your rookie growing pains, yeah. except for, you know, you have a better head coach. Like, And I think you're going to get through that. And then when it's time for baby number two, you're going to be a veteran. And you're going to have, you know, no Matt Nagy to deal with. And it's going to be smooth. <laughs> yeah. If anyone wants to hit me up on Twitter with advice on how I can dodge that, uh, I appreciate it. I think it's just like <laughs> speed and hand-eye coordination. You just got to get the next one on as, immediately. But I just, I'm just too slow. So you're right. And more reps. I need more reps. Just like Allen Robinson and Justin Fields. I need more reps. And then I'll be fine. So you, you're probably running better routes now than the Bears receivers are at this point, right? You're, you're getting more done. Like everything's putting them in the hands and they're just dropping it. Like. Seriously. Seriously. So, hey, it's, it's great to be back with you, Alyssa. To all our listeners, we love and appreciate you. Please subscribe. Tell a friend. Leave us a review. And we will catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.